my kids and all my grandkids were home over the last couple of days for our Christmas celebration, and I, th- there was a phrase that I knew that I was going to say before my family arrived. I, I knew at least one time I was going to say this. In fact, I was so confident that it's actually typed in my notes uh, several days before my kids even arrived home that I was going uh, was going to end up saying this this phrase, and and I knew that it was going to happen. I knew that at some point. With the kids home and the grandkids home, I was going to say to one of my granddaughters, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I knew that because, because either Isabel or Evie, and, and it's kind of switching now where it's just Evie that I have to do this with, uh, is terrified of our dogs. Now she loves our dogs, and she talks about how much she loves our dogs, but, but all it takes when she first gets home is one of our dogs to make any kind of move towards her, like, hey, come pet me on the head, or, or, or to stand between her and where she wants to go, and she freaks out. Now, now she comes by it naturally because her mother has taught her, my daughter-in-law Heidi has taught her to be afraid of dogs. It's not really Heidi's fault because Heidi's mom, for some reason, taught her kids to be afraid of dogs. And so, so, so my, my, my kids are, or my grandkids uh, in that family are afraid of the dogs. And sure enough, I, I had to say that at least one time this weekend, don't be afraid. And, and not only that, I didn't just say that, but, but, but I said, don't be afraid, and I qualified it with, they won't hurt you. And in fact, I remember saying it to Evie this time, these dogs have never bit anyone. He is not going to bite you. Don't be afraid. Now, it should have been enough for me to simply say, don't be afraid. I'm their grandpa. I'm looking out for their, their best entrance. They, they, they should, have, should have been fine with me just simply saying, don't be afraid. But, but I also felt maybe it was important for me to give a rational reason, explanation, why they shouldn't be afraid, to let them know that their fear was misplaced, uh, their fear that was stopping them in the tracks is kind of holding them back, preventing them from experiencing the joy of getting to hang around the dogs. Don't be afraid because. Maybe you had someone tell you that before in your life. Uh, Maybe they've said that. You've heard that phrase before, don't be afraid. And and usually they, they add a caveat on there, don't don't be afraid. Maybe, maybe you see a spider and someone will say, don't be, a, be afraid, that spider won't hurt, hurt you. Or, or maybe a, you see a snake and someone says, don't be afraid, that's not poisonous. And Now, there are certain things it's okay to have an irrational fear of, and, and spiders and snakes might be two of those things. But, but oftentimes, we're, we're told not to be afraid. This morning, we're going to look at a familiar story, the story of the birth of Jesus that's full of I, iconic characters and iconic events. It's the the story of prophecy being fulfilled, the story that has choirs of angels singing, of wise men, men traveling from afar to give expensive gifts of worship, uh, a story of a humble beginning of, of the Christ child who then was to live a humble life. Yet right in the middle of this story, we see a phrase that seems out of place, that seems out of character, that seems out of tune with the joy the excitement and the beauty of the story, we see right in the middle of this story, not once but four times, we see right in the middle of this story, don't be afraid. We'll see each time that it's said, it's followed with an exp- explanation uh, by the angel of why they shouldn't be afraid. Uh, it, it should have been enough that if an angel told you not to be afraid, uh, that, that you shouldn't be, they, that, that should have been enough for the angel to just say, hey, don't be afraid. In fact, if an angel appeared to me, and said to me, don't be afraid, I wouldn't be afraid. 
Now, who are we kidding? I would be scared spitless if an angel appeared to me and said anything whatsoever, and most of you would be as well. So, so I can understand it, but the angel appeared, and each time he says, don't be afraid, but added a, added a caveat. So we'll look this morning at four different people when this phrase was used who, who learned uh, something about themselves. In, in fact, as God spoke to them, as the angel spoke to them, he spoke about the fear Actually, a fear that they didn't even maybe realize they had. See, see, the obvious fear that was there was the appearance of an angel. The, the, the angel showed up, and you would have thought the angel would have addressed that, that fear. You, you would have thought the angel would have said when they were terrified and seen, the angel would have said something along this line. It's okay, it's okay, I'm an angel. This really is normal. It's, it's, it's fine. I appear to people all the time. It's not a big deal. You would, you'd have thought the angel might have said, no, really, it's me. I am an angel. Look at the wings. And he would have flapped its wings a little bit. And maybe he would have pulled out an angel card and said, see, see this proves that I'm an angel. Or, or maybe he had taken out a cell phone and showed, hey, here's a selfie of me and, me and Jesus. Uh, well, no, Jesus wasn't there yet. So me and God. And, and, uh, this proves that I'm, uh, the, the angel didn't speak to that fear. Instead, he addresses, the angel addresses an unseen fear. He addresses a fear that they didn't even realize, but gives an explanation uh, for why they shouldn't be afraid. And as we look at those those statements this morning, don't be afraid, and the explanation tied with it, uh, maybe there's a little bit we can understand and learn for ourselves. So if you have your Bibles turned, we're going to be in two places this morning, Luke chapter 1 and 2. Uh, that'll be a pretty familiar part of the, the Christmas story. And also in Matthew chapter 1, again, that'll be another familiar part of the story. So, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1 to start with, and we'll, we'll see a couple of them, or actually three of them in, in Luke chapter 1 and 2, and then we'll jump over to Matthew 1 here in a second as well. So Luke chapter 2, verses 1, or chapter 1, 1 to 13. Now this, this really isn't even talking about Jesus. This is talking about another character in the story, but but it's a, an important part of the birth of Jesus. It's it's kind of the, the precursor of Jesus coming, and this was the promise that was given to Zechariah and Elizabeth, who who were the parents of John the Baptist, who who was the man that 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 uh, foreshadowed Jesus and and led the way for Jesus. But Luke chapter one, verse one, many have well, let me let me drop down to excuse me, verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So both of them, husband and wife, were, had come from the priestly family, uh, and Zechariah was a priest. Both of them were being upright, were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So what this was, there were so many priests in the land of Israel that, that they only served as priests every so often, maybe once a year, twice a year, something like that. And, and once they were there serving, they drew lots as to who got to go into the holy place. The, the temple had an outer area, then it had a holy area, and then, then it had a holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence was represented. Only the high priest got to go in there, but, but other priests got to go into the holy part. And Zechariah's name was called. He won the lottery. He got to go into the holy. Some priests would, would serve their whole life and never have that honor, but Zechariah was there. 
Now notice verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. So he was, he was scared. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, now, now notice what he says next. Notice the explanation of why he tells him not to be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy. Uh, he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying constantly for a child. They had been praying constantly for a child. And, and, and their prayers with each passing years as they got older and older, their, their prayers were probably less frequent and less fervent, but pray they did. And then Zechariah, serving in the temple, had an angel appear and said, don't be afraid, God answers prayer. Now, now he didn't tell him, don't be afraid, I'm an angel. It's okay. Uh, Angels appear all the time uh, in in the Holy of Holies. But he said, don't be afraid, God answers prayer. Zechariah must have dreamed of someday having a son to follow in his footsteps. Since he and Elizabeth were both from the priestly line, their son would have been a priest. And he must have dreamed of someday his son growing up to be a priest. And, and, And and dreaming of what it would be like. And, and don't we do that as fathers? Don't we, don't we dream of what our children will be, and, and mothers as well? Don't we dream of what our children will be someday? We want them to grow up and love the things that we love and be passionate about the things that we're passionate about. I, Derek, I bet you dream from day one that Kip would throw a football. And, man, when you stand on that sideline and he throws a football, I, there, there has to be some great pride. And, and, and I, I'm sure some of the farmers here, your, your sons were born, you thought, oh man, to put my son in a tractor, that will be wonderful to see that. And Zachariah's dream was of a son standing in the holy place just like he was, just a curtain away from God's very presence. So, so for nine months, he must have planned for this son. He must have bought him a little priestly outfit, a little bit robe that he could wear and pretend like he was gonna, gonna be a priest. But he finds out that God answers prayer, but, but sometimes God answers prayer according to his plan, not according to ours. Because, because John the Baptist would never grow up to be a priest. He would never serve in the temple. He, he would ne- never wear a robe. Uh, in fact, he would wear camel's hair. People would not come to him in the temple for prayer. Instead, they would uh, come to him in the desert to seek the message of repentance that he talked about. Let me remind you today that God answers prayer. Zechariah had an angel appear to him, and he was terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid. God answers prayer. Oftentimes, as we face some of the things that we face in life, we realize or have to realize that God is there. Rita and I received a phone call this week, or Rita received a phone call this week from a friend of ours that, and I won't go into details, but told of of their daughter who had gone through a very difficult thing here recently. And, and both the parents and this daughter have been praying and, and asking this, this question, God, why? God, why did you allow this to happen? God, God, where were you when I was going through this, this terrible, harsh thing that I was having to face? God, where were you? 
And, and the truth is that God was there, and God is there no matter what we go through. See, see sometimes that's us. We, we face things in life, and we're like, God, God, why am I having to face this? God, God, where were you during this difficult time? And, and I, I, I think one of the things we have to learn when we have that, that, that sense of fear is that God answers our prayer, just not always according to what we think, according to, to his plan. If you have your Bibles, turn over with me to Matthew chapter 1, and, and we'll see the second time that we see this, this idea of, of do not be afraid. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So, so what's going on here? Mo, uh, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. That, that was kind of a year-long uh, engagement, if you will. Uh, during that time, they didn't have any, certainly any intimate contact. They certainly weren't hanging out together that much. And, 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 but it was a year's time for them to prepare for the wedding. And then after that, they would actually uh, get married. And so during that year's time, during that betrothal time, it was found out that Mary was with child. And so Joseph decided he would, he, he would, would handle it the way that he thought best. And, and what we see in this passage, if we go on, look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, after he had thought about uh, letting, her, uh, letting her go and divorcing her quietly, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now, we're going to notice the do not phrase a little bit different in this, this story. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to do the right thing. Do not be afraid to do the right thing. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are, uh, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from, from their sin. Joseph had... Uh, had a couple choices when he found out that Mary was with child. One of his choices was to, to, to let things happen like, like tradition was. He could have taken her before the elders and said, hey, she is found to be with child. I am not the dad. This is not me. And, and so he could have very publicly presented her to everyone, and whatever they chose to do was what they would have done. Now, Scripture literally says in the Old Testament, for adultery, she could have been stoned. Probably wouldn't have done that, but definitely she would have been ostracized from the community. She would have been pushed away and would have had no, no, no help whatsoever in raising this child. She would have been pushed aside, and that's, that's what he could have done. But it says that, that he was an honorable man, he was a righteous man, so he chose to handle it differently. Instead, he was going to divorce her quietly, he was going to, going to, without anyone knowing about it, because the law of Moses provided for this, was going to divorce her quietly. Now, now the reality is the same thing would have happened. She still would have ended up ostracized. She still would have ended up as an outcast in society. And the angel says, don't be afraid to do the right thing. We see, we see here the heart of Joseph. We see his righteousness in, in his initial response to, to do the right thing. His initial response is, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to put her up to shame. I'll just do this quietly. Uh, we don't know an awful lot about Joseph. In, in fact, we really don't know that much about Mary. Scripture doesn't tell us very much detail about their life. In fact, we, we know that Joseph was a carpenter, that he probably taught Jesus that trade. 
We know that Joseph was at least in the picture till Jesus was 12 years old, possibly older. It seems to be that, that Jesus wasn't there or that Joseph was dead when Jesus started his ministry. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but, but we don't know a whole lot about Joseph, but, but we do know this about him. And verse 19 tells us that, that he was a righteous man. Oh, oh, if people could say of us, oh, if people would say of us when we face tough decisions, when we face difficult times in our life, that, that we were righteous, that we were righteous. He was a, a righteous man, but we also see, we also see his dilemma here in this story. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? An angel just appeared and said, do the right thing. We often miss the real dilemma in the story that Joseph faced. By choosing to marry uh, and, and fulfill that and, and marry uh, Mary, he is, in the eyes of his family and friends, implicating himself in sin. Now, now catch this. There, there was no sin there, but but as far as everyone else knew, as far as his family, as far as his friends, as far as the community knew, Mary had had, had conceived a child out of wedlock. And, and so by Joseph marrying her and, and taking the child as his own, he was implicating himself as if he had sinned. Uh, in essence, he was saying, I'm the father of this child. So he took on himself a measure of judgment uh, by fathering a child out of wedlock. The stigma would have certainly been worse for Mary, but it would have been there for Joseph as well. Isn't it interesting to see that God asked Joseph to, to step up and, and take on someone else's judgment, to take on someone else's guilt? Now, really, there, there was no one to be guilt, no, no guilt here, but, but it's as if he did. He, he stepped up, and almost as in a foreshadowing uh, of what Jesus did, Joseph said, I'm willing to take the judgment for someone else. Because God has asked me to do that. We often relegate Joseph to an afterthought in the story of Jesus. Someone had to lead the donkey to Bethlehem. Someone had to teach Jesus a trade. Someone had to provide for the family. But the truth is, Joseph was a, a, a righteous man who, who, in the midst of his fear, was challenged to do the right thing. Oftentimes, in the midst of our fear, We'll be challenged to do what God has asked us to do, to do the right thing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me back over into Luke chapter 1, and, and we're going we're gonna to see another one of these stories. If you have your Bibles, chapter 1, starting with verse 26, uh, down through verse 38, we'll, we'll see the, the story of Mary. In the sixth month, verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great will be great and we call the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How is this to be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. You, so the Holy One is born, will be called the son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary, Mary actually had a threefold reason to be afraid. First of all, an angel appeared to her. So, so we, we've established that. If an angel appears to us, we're probably going to be scared. The, the second thing, the angel appeared, and he had this weird cryptic message that, that, that when he appeared to her, he said, hey, hey, Mary, highly favored, the Lord is with you. And, and she actually responded to that. It shows that she was kind of, kind of upset by that and scared by that. What in the world does that mean? And, and to top it all off, if she wasn't scared enough, then he said, oh, yeah, and by the way, this is why I really appeared to you. Just wanted to let you know that you're going to have a baby. Uh, and, and, and even though you've not been with a man, you're going to have a child. You would have thought that the angel would have given her words of encouragement uh, according to this scenario. You would, you'd have thought he, the angel would have explained to her, okay, Mary, I know this is weird. I know this sounds tough, but, but hang in there, okay? God is going to be with you. God's going to, God's going to give a, 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 a protection around you. And, and I know you're going to be looked down on. Some people are going to question you. It's going to be tough, but God is going to, God is going to give you some protection, but no, the angel didn't say that. You would have thought maybe the angel would have said, hey, you know, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but it's going to be pretty cool being the, being cool, uh, pretty cool being the, the mother of the Christ child. You are going to see some stuff that's just going to blow your socks off. Now, I shouldn't tell you this, but, but, uh, but in about 30 years, you're, you're going to be at a wedding feast, and it's going to be a disaster because they're going to run out of wine. And, uh, and your friend is hosting this wedding feast and they're really upset and the guests are all upset and, 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 and what's going to happen is Jesus is going to turn water into wine and everyone's going to think you are so special because it was your son that did it and they're going to pat you on the back and you are going to be so proud. I shouldn't have told you. Don't tell God I told you that. But, but just know that being the mother of this child is going to, it's just going to be so wonderful. No, no, the angel didn't say that. The angel said, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Huh? Don't be afraid. You found favor. Now, Mary probably would have understood it this way. It probably would have been accurate for her to understand through the Greek. Would have understood it this way. That what, what the angel was saying was, Mary, don't be afraid. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. Not necessarily because of what you've done, not necessarily because of, of how special you were, but, but God has chosen you. Most of you, most of you know our story, uh, Reed and I's story, uh, uh, particularly as it deals with Crystal. Uh, we, we had three sons and, and uh, always wanted a daughter, so I went shopping one day and found it. No, that's not quite how it happened, but, uh, but, but I get a phone call one, one evening, uh, and find out that my wife had offered our services to, uh, to, to DFS in the state of Missouri and said, Hey, we're going to have a kid. We're going to have another, another child. We're, a daughter's going to come live with us. Is that okay that I invited her to be a part of our family? Uh, so, so Crystal ended up in our, our family. And one of the coolest things that I've enjoyed over the last few years is, is getting to, to literally watch Crystal, uh, in person several times and other times on videotape or on Facebook tell her story, uh, about, coming into our family and how that took place. And one of my, my, one of my favorite parts of her story is when, when she tells about coming, uh, us all coming into her room and sitting down on her bed and asking her to be a part of our family. Do you want to be a part of our family? And her response was, well, I thought I was, but, 
But we, we come in and ask, no, we want to adopt you. We want to, to make you officially a, a part of our, our family. A, a part of that story, or, uh, an aspect, aspect of that story that I guess I rarely thought about, certainly didn't think about it at the time, is, is the aspect of what Crystal must have been thinking. Um, she likes to talk, so if you want to ask her later, she'll let you know what she was, was thinking. Now, 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 what we were thinking was, man, she's going to be thrilled. We're, we're giving her a name. We're, we're inviting her officially into our family. And, and, and yet, yet, I wonder what she was thinking. Maybe she was thinking, whew, I'm glad they picked me. I, I passed the test. I've been here through one basketball season. Dad has seen my basketball skills, and now he wants to adopt me because he knows there's a chance I'm going to play college basketball. And no, that's, uh, Devin, that's not, that's not it. Uh, or, or maybe, hey, a couple great periods have passed, and those straight A's, mom and dad are so proud of me because I, I, did you ever make straight A's? She remembers that. I don't know that I remember that, but, but, uh, okay, no, it really wasn't, it must have been, my great personality. They, they finally have seen my great personality, and that's why, well, no, she realized we butted heads sometimes, and, and her and I had hour-long discussions, and, and uh, what, I wonder if what she wasn't really thinking, and maybe a little bit like Mary here. Now, I'm not, com- I'm not comparing you to Mary, by the way. But I wonder if she was thinking, why me? In fact, I, I know my daughter well enough to know that there was, there was a voice in the back of her head that was saying, why me? I don't deserve this. And, and it was nothing special. There was no great honor being part of our family, except the name's kind of cool, I mean, <laughs> to, to be a champ now. But, uh, uh, but she had to be thinking, why, why me? What, why am I being chosen? And, and then she had to be also thinking a little bit. Crystal, you can correct me later if you want, but don't do it publicly. Uh, she had to be thinking, man, this is going to be hard. Can I measure up? Can I be as good as my brothers are? Can, can I measure up to what mom and dad are going to expect from me now? And, and I wonder if Mary didn't, when the angel showed up and said, and said you found favor. And, and she was terrified. And he said, don't be afraid. You, God has chosen you. God has chosen you. See, he, he kind of puts it into perspective. He's talking a little bit about uh, Elizabeth, but I think he encompasses all of it in verse, verse 37 when he says, for nothing is impossible. See, nothing's impossible with God. He can, he can take, he can take Mary, who was from a, a, a very, very humble place and a very humble person and, and just a young girl and make her the mother of the Christ child. Why? Because God chose her. See, no matter what God calls you to, whether he's calling you to be the mother of the Christ child or the mother of a special needs child, whether he's calling you to speak for him or to live for him or to serve him or to give for him, when you find yourself in those moments when you are terrified, can, can, you, remember the words of, can you remember the words of Gabriel when he says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You found favor. God chooses you. And and finally, let's look at one last story, and then we'll finish up here. We know this one was uh, Luke chapter two, down uh, in in verse eight. We we see the story of the shepherds, and there were shepherds 
living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good good news of great joy that will be for all people. Don't be afraid. You're included. You're included. The, the, the shepherds are on, on that side of the hill, and I, I, wonder, I wonder if their greatest fear, because again, the angel doesn't, doesn't tell them, don't be afraid. Hey, we're angels. It's okay. Uh, th- this choir is normal. This is what it's like. And he didn't give any of that explanation. Instead, he, he said, I've got good news. Don't be afraid. I've got some great, wonderful news. You're included as well in this story. So I wonder if their greatest fear wasn't gnawing, that gnawing sense of isolation that they felt, that, that, that sense of day after day as they sat on the hillsides of Bethlehem, uh, tending their sheep, as people walked the busy roads and they look out at these shepherds who, who were just hired hands that literally lived on the hillsides with the sheep and, and people would look at them and sneer and giggle and laugh at them. I, I wonder at nighttime when they sat on those hills and, and particularly as more and more people filed into Bethlehem because of the census, they didn't hear all the, the excitement of the city, the laughter, the joy, the, 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 the drinking, the merriment, the, the food being shared and, and they were stuck out on a hillside. I wonder if they didn't didn't sense this uh, this growing uh, sense of, of being excluded, this growing sense of not being special. And then angels appear to them, and everything changed. I bring you good news. I bring you good news. Brian Loris is a, a pastor and author. Band, you can come on up now if you want. Brian Lawrence is a pastor and author, and he tells a story about his three-year-old son and taking him to the doctor. He said they walked in the doctor, and the doctor was going to have to give him a shot. And, and, and his son had had shots before, but, but it had been quite a while, and he's, he certainly didn't remember the last one. And so as the nurse got the, the stuff together, and she pulled that needle out. He looked over, and his son's eyes were, were as big as saucers, and he began to tremble just a little bit. And and Lord says, I, I looked at him and I said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's not going to hurt. But, but he said, I realized immediately my words had no effect on him whatsoever. His eyes were still big and his hands were still trembling. And so Lord said, I, I, I came up with a, a brilliant idea. I, I leaned over to, my, uh, to, to the nurse who was in the room and whispered into her ear and asked her, can you give me a shot first? Can you give me a shot? And 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 she relented and and got some saline solution or something and and took out a shot and and he said as the nurse wiped his swabbed his arm with the alcohol and took the needle he said I never took my eyes off my son I just looked at him with a smile on the face as she put the needle in and, and inserted the the saline and and I and I said to him I said see it doesn't hurt so you don't have to be afraid it doesn't hurt. One of the, the stories, one of the messages from the Christmas story is that God calls to us, God cries to us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's so much in this world to fear. There's so many times where we're unsure of what the future holds, where we're unsure of what God has for us. We're unsure of what his plan is. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
I'm here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that the birth of Jesus was a promise that was given thousands of years before, a, a, a promise to a world that needed to know you and needed a way back to you. So, Father, this morning as we as we contemplate the, the value and the purpose of what Jesus did, we're reminded from these examples in Scripture to not be afraid. So, Lord, I pray that each one of us, as we face life's challenges, when we're uncertain, when, when fear grips us, Lord, that you remind us that we're not to be afraid, that you are there, that you have us in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? as we say